0: Well, hey, Grace Chapel, great to be with you all today, wherever you are, whoever you're with, and whenever you are watching. I think it's safe to say none of us expected to be where we are today, except maybe the handful of us here in the sanctuary recording this service. I did drag Karen and a few staffers in here to listen live and laugh at my jokes, so I'm glad they're here, but I'm glad you're here as well. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I don't know if he had online gatherings in mind when he said that, but it's still true. And so we hope that you will sense his presence today. If you happen to be visiting with us, maybe you just found us online, maybe your church isn't meeting today, we're glad you found your way here and uh, we hope you'll sense God's presence as we worship together today. Well, this past Tuesday morning, I woke up rested and relaxed, settling into week three of my four-week sabbatical. I was looking forward to spending the morning with my spiritual director and then finding a sunny spot to sit and read or pray or think and enjoy that beautiful weather we were having earlier this week. Well, all that changed with one phone call. A phone call letting me know that the elders had met the night before And we're recommending that we move our services completely online beginning this coming Sunday. Now, I didn't say it out loud, but my first thought was, I leave you guys alone for one month and you cancel services? Not really. But it did seem to me like a crazy and unthinkable idea. But with each passing hour, it seemed less and less crazy. And more and more, like the right thing to do. And so I pretty quickly jumped back into the saddle, and here we are. Now before we go any further, I I just want to stop for a moment and say how grateful I am for the courage and wisdom of our elders to make that decision early in the week. How grateful I am for the energetic response of our staff who've been working creatively and enthusiastically to make all this happen. How grateful I am for some of the medical professionals in our community who have helped us and given us counsel as we've looked to this moment. And how grateful for the prayerful support we have sensed from all of you, our broader congregation. We are a blessed community to be able to pivot so quickly and be responsive to this moment. So here we are, fully online, but fully engaged for the foreseeable future. So today, we're going to take a a break from our Blessed series, and we're going to ask God to speak to us in these moments about how we can best seek and serve Him in these unsettling and uncertain times. So I eventually did find a sunny spot to sit in on Tuesday afternoon, and I spent that time flipping through the Scriptures, looking for some guidance, And eventually, I found my way to Psalm 46. To a psalm that was written for a time of trouble. So we read it earlier in our service, but let's just walk through it section by section. And see what we can learn here about finding peace, even in a pandemic. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Well, it sounds rather apropos to the moment, doesn't it? Now the Psalms, of course, are prayers or songs that were meant to be read or sung by God's people in all the experiences of life. And this one was clearly written for a time of trouble, for what, what appears to be a time of national and maybe even global upheaval. Now, we don't know the specifics, but it felt to the writer like the world was coming apart at the seams. The natural order of things had been completely upended. Once quiet waters were surging and foaming, immovable mountains were shaking and quaking. Now, was it a political crisis? Was it a military threat? Was it an economic disaster? Was it a natural disaster? We really don't know. But it sounds catastrophic. People were afraid. What's what's happening? Where will this lead? When and how will it end? And we get it, don't we? We're feeling many of those very same feelings, and asking many of those questions. Now they're calling our crisis a pandemic. A disease spread across a large region, multiple countries, or worldwide. In other words, a pandemic is like an epidemic, uh, a a disease out of control, but it's gone rogue, it's gone global. It's invasive, it's unpredictable, and it's life-threatening to many people. A couple of months ago, coronavirus was a curiosity happening on the other side of the world. A month or so ago, it was one of many items in the daily news cycle. This week, it's brought life as we know it to a screeching halt. And a scary A week ago, I was laughing at people who were stockpiling toilet paper. The other night, I was glad to come home and find a 12-pack of Charmin at the bottom of the stairs. Everyone is vulnerable. Movie stars, NBA players, White House staffers, even medical professionals at a conference in a Boston hotel. If they can get it, we can get it. So how do we find peace in a time like this? But that's what this psalm is promising. With the world falling apart around him, the psalmist turns to God and somehow finds peace. Now he doesn't use that particular word, but it flows like a river through this psalm. Earlier in the week when we were wrestling with how we would respond to this crisis. I, I called one of the physicians in our congregation and for some counsel and, and he confirmed for me that, that we needed to protect people from this virus. But, he said, we also need to protect people from panic, from fear. The church needs to be a voice of calm, he said. And that's when I knew this was the psalm for today. Therefore, we will not fear. Why for? Why should we not fear in a time like this? How can we find peace in a time like this? As I worked through the psalm, I found at least three ways we can find peace in this time of storm. Three reasons we can have peace even in a pandemic. So let's just walk through them. The first is that God... Is present. God is present. Look at those opening words. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Now those two words, refuge and strength, they, they work together. Refuge is external. Strength is internal. Refuge describes protection, like, like a fortress, which is the word the writer uses later on. God surrounds us with his presence. Anything that happens to us has to pass through his sovereign, loving hands. But we know that sometimes in this fallen world, and for reasons we can't always understand, things do happen to us. Bad things happen. We we, we get sick. We, We get hurt. But when those things do happen, that's when we have God's strength within us to meet those things, to handle those challenges. And so that external protection and that internal strength work together here. It's always with us, the psalmist says. God is an ever-present help in trouble. We like to say that God is omnipresent That he's everywhere present, that he's always present. God is always with us, and God is always enough. The simple fact of God's presence is a source of peace in a time of trouble. Uh, Picture this for a minute you're out driving alone at night in a snowstorm you're far from home it's getting late you're out of cell phone coverage and suddenly the car breaks down it's uncomfortable isn't it you're alone in the dark what should you do how should you handle this moment where will this lead you can you can feel the chill settling into the car and settling into your bones as you wonder what this means. Well, now picture the very same scenario, only this time someone's in the car with you, a friend. Now, it's still cold and dark. The car is still broken down. You're still asking a lot of the same questions. But you're not alone. Someone is with you. And if that someone is a mechanic, all the better. And that's what this psalm is promising. Therefore, we will not fear because God is with us. He's present even in time of trouble. He's around us. He's within us. In the words of St. Patrick, he's before us and he's behind us. He's above us and beneath us. He's beside us and within us. Now, that's a wonderful truth. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are times It's hard to sense God's presence. And maybe especially hard in time of trouble. We don't feel like He's near. And that's why we need each other in times of trouble. We need to remind each other of God's presence by being present with each other, by being God with skin on to each other. So, as As helpful as it might be for me to bring a message of hope and calm and peace today, the truth is, we need to be bringing each other these messages all week long and in the weeks and the days to come. Since we can't be together in the ways we usually are, we're going to have to find new and creative ways of connecting with each other. So that's why we'll be here every Sunday morning just like this for as long as this thing lasts. Now we're going to continue to look for ways to to do this better and to find ways of making it meaningful and engaging for everyone. You can expect to see some of uh, familiar faces from your campuses up here on the platform from week to week. I'd encourage you to keep your normal Sunday routine. Get up when you usually get up. Worship at the hour you usually worship at. You might even imagine the faces of the people you typically sit near and offer a prayer for them as they gather for worship as well. If you can't make it on Sunday morning, then this service will be available the whole rest of the week, either on our website or our YouTube channel as well. And if you need some help or you know someone who needs help in making the technology work, give us a call and we'll we'll help you figure it out. Or ask your grandkids and they'll help you figure it out. As I said, we'll do our best to make these things, these services engaging and meaningful as we make our way through the days to come. But there are other ways to engage as well. We're going to stay engaged with you on social media. So if you've never gotten around to joining our Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter, if you've never downloaded the Grace Chapel app, now is the time to do it. We hope to be adding some new content and new ways to connect to all of those outlets in the days to come. So just stay tuned and you'll know what's happening and how you can best take advantage of it. But let me encourage you also to reach out to each other. Let's check up on each other. Let's call each other. Let's text scripture verses to one another. Earlier in the week, we were going to encourage our groups to gather and maybe even to gather on Sundays to watch. It seems like that might not be a good idea right now. But maybe your group can gather on a Zoom or or maybe you can do a conference call or just call and pray for each other on the phone. Let's find ways to be present to and with each other as a way of reminding ourselves that God is to and present with us as well. He is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. A second thing we find when we turn to God in times like these is that God is powerful. He's powerful. Let's look at the next stanza. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place, Where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Notice the contrast between the waters described in these two opening stanzas. Verse 3 describes a stormy sea with the waters roaring and foaming and the mountains tumbling into the deep. Verse 4 describes a gently flowing river winding its way through the city. Now, the original readers of this psalm probably would have imagined the river Jordan flowing north and south through the land of Israel, bringing life and prosperity. Everywhere it flowed. Or they might have imagined the the spring of Gihon bubbling up in the city of David, bringing life-giving water to the residents of Jerusalem. In the desert, water means life. It means you can drink, you can bathe, you can cook, you can grow crops, you can survive, you can live if you have water. And that brings peace. I, I spent several days of my sabbatical out in Denver, doing some studying and attending some meetings at Denver Seminary. The seminary is located right alongside the South Platte River that flows north and south right through the Denver metro area. And some of my most meaningful and reflective times these past few weeks were sitting or walking or running alongside that gently but strongly flowing river bringing life and vitality to the city of Denver and to me. There's something about a flowing river that, that's peaceful and, and powerful and life-giving. Now, when the psalm writer talks here about the city of God, the people, of course, would have thought of Jerusalem with, with its high walls and its, and its secure gates. And for sure, it was an impressive and a formidable city for the ancient world. And it did afford a measure of protection for its inhabitants. Unfortunately, the people began to put their trust in the city, in the walls, in the gates, rather than in God. As long as the city and the temple stood, they reasoned, nothing bad could happen to them. And the more and more they relied on their city, and the less and less they relied on God, the more self-reliant and the more distant they became from God. And it wasn't until the city fell to the invading Babylon's that they suddenly woke up and realized how far they had drifted from God and how vulnerable and fragile they were without Him. It wasn't the walls and the gates that made them secure. It was the presence of God among the people that made them secure. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. So here we are, these thousands of years later, and we understand that that the city of God is really a metaphor for the people of God, what we would call the church, the body of Christ. And this crisis, this time of trouble that we find ourselves in, is reminding us that the church is not a building. It's a body of people. It's the body of Christ. The church is not an institution. It's a movement. It's a community of Christ followers and Christ seekers. Now, we are certainly grateful for our campuses, and for our facilities, and for our ministries. We're going to miss them in these coming weeks, and we want to be back in them and at them as soon as we can. But our faith, our confidence, our security is in God. It's in His Spirit. It's in His Word. It's in His people. It's in His mission. There are all kinds of ways for us to be the church even when we can't come to the church. And so that's what we're going to be about in these weeks ahead. We'll be looking for ways to serve and to help the people around us, the communities that we're a part of. You know, from the very earliest days, the church has often been at its very best in times of crisis and catastrophe. When when plagues fell on the ancient world, when people were fleeing to the hills for safety, it was Christ's followers who stayed in the neighborhoods, who cared for the sick and the dying, even at the risk of their own lives. Now, we're not in that kind of a moment right now. But we're going to be looking for ways, each of our campuses, looking for ways to to serve and be engaged with our local communities. How can we help? And if there are ways you know, if, if there are people you know of who have a particular need, please let your campus know. Let's together be the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors and to our communities just so happens that we are in the middle of this bless series. Learning how we can share the love of Christ with people in our everyday lives. So we're going to continue in that series next week. We'll pick it up again. But we're going to bring a particular focus to it. How do we bless people in this time of trouble in which we find ourselves? Well, Psalm 46 reminds us that ultimately our trust is in God. Not the government, not medical professionals, not lockdowns, not Purell. (laughs) We are grateful for those things. God has provided them for us, and we want to take full advantage of all of them. But ultimately, our trust is in God. And if these other things should fail us, if we should find ourselves sick or alone, or even in the shadow of death. God is with us. God is for us. God is powerful. Jesus has already conquered sin and sickness and darkness and death. He's done it once. He can do it for us. God will be enough. We find peace when we turn to God because he's present and because he's powerful. Finally, we find peace when we turn to God because His purposes will prevail. God is always working to accomplish those good and eternal purposes. Let's look at the last verses. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the writer says. In other words, open your eyes, man. Behold, as the King James Version puts it, Aslan is on the move, in the words of C.S. Lewis. God is working. His kingdom is advancing. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He'll bring an end to all this trouble and all this turmoil in the short term and in the long run. The writer is looking forward to that day when God will make all things right, when there will be no more sickness or sadness or crying or pain. No more fear or scarcity or loneliness or uncertainty. A day when he will break the bow and shatter the spear. When he will heal our diseases and vanish our viruses. When he will restore our community and bless the work of our hands. That's his purpose. It's always been his purpose. That this earth and its inhabitants should flourish in fellowship with him and with each other. And he is at work to accomplish that purpose every day and he will be at work to accomplish it even in these days, in these times. I don't think God caused this crisis to to get our attention or to teach us a thing or two. But I believe he can and will use it if we let him. Sometimes the best thing we can do is to just stop And let him do what only he can do. Be still and know that I am God, he says. Stop. Decease. Desist, rather. (laughs) Desist. Knock it off. Chill out, he says to us. Stop your striving and your scurrying and your scampering about. The words here bring to mind that storm on the the Sea of Galilee. That boat being tossed around by wind and waves. The disciples bailing and rowing for all their worth, scared out of their minds. Finally, they turn to Jesus and say, Master, don't you even care? He rises to his feet and says to the wind and the waves, Peace, be still. Only they had called on him sooner. Let's not wait to turn to God. Let's not wait to be still and let him do what only he can do. I know, it it sounds like crazy advice for times like these, be still. I'm pretty sure it's the opposite of what we've all been doing the past few days, right? working long days to get our organizations ready for what's next, running to the store, communicating with everybody that we know, buying toilet paper, whatever we've been doing. That's what we do in times of trouble. We act and we react. And it's not all wrong. There are things we should be doing to prepare ourselves, to protect ourselves, to provide for our families. But at a certain point, we need to stop. We need to be still. And let him do what only he can do. Now, I know that doesn't come easily to many of us. One of my learnings on this sabbatical, one of my discoveries, was how difficult it was for me to stop, to just slow down. For the first two weeks, I I spent most of my time on the road, Florida, Denver, Pennsylvania. They were good places to go, and I was going for good reasons, but but I was always on the go. Every time I I sat down to read, I, I would inevitably find a reason to get up again. Maybe I should sit over there. Maybe I should read that book. Let me just finish this other thing, and then I'll come back to reading. It was so difficult for me to slow down and stop. I got that call Tuesday morning as I was on my way to see my spiritual director. I was literally on the phone as I walked into the building. I I sat down and we talked for 10 or 15 minutes and he finally said to me, I can feel your agitation across the room. Now agitation didn't sound to me like a spiritual virtue. (laughs) And so so I confess that how difficult it had been for me to stop and slow down. To my surprise, he confessed that he had the same problem. Again, I thought to myself, but you're my spiritual director. You're supposed to be good at this stuff. It's like your doctor telling you who smokes a pack a day. (laughs) Turns out most of us aren't very good at slowing down, at being still, at letting God be God. But sometimes, we have to. And that's what we're going to need to do in the weeks to come. Like it or not, we are going to be forced into the spiritual disciplines of stillness and solitude and maybe even a measure of silence. We're going to have a lot of time just to be these next few weeks. To be with our families. To be with our own souls. To be with God. So let's lean into those opportunities. let's, Let's take advantage of the time to read and pray and think and journal. All those things you've always wanted to practice but never thought you had the time to. Tell Alexa to play some Christian music while you clean the house or put a puzzle together with your family. Now we hope to provide you with some additional online resources, some devotional thoughts perhaps, some activities for you and your kids to do as you make your way through the day. We're going to have some unique opportunities in the days to come. One commentator puts it this way. Only when we cease our own frantic activity can we begin to experience God's activity for us. Only then can we know that He is God. So let's do that. Let's do the one thing we have a hard time doing. Let's be still. And it just may be that in being still, we will discover anew that he is God, that he is enough, that he's present, that he's powerful, that his purposes are being accomplished. Who knows what good things he might do in our souls, in our families, in our groups, in our church, in our community and nation, and even the world, if we let Him, if we're still, and if we let peace flow like a river in and through our lives. So we'd like to do that right now. We'd like to give ourselves a moment to be still and experience God's peace. We're going to invite uh, Jamie Hillman and Mariana Greenhill from our Lexington congregation to come and share a a classic hymn with us. I'm going to share some of the words with you so you can keep them in mind. As you let this music and, and let these truths we've been talking about today, let them wash over you. Let them flow through you. Here are the words. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace, over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect, yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect, yet it groweth deeper all the way. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding, as he promised, perfect peace. And rest. Let's give a listen, and then I'll come back and close out our time together.